Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. For the first time since the Brock Trophy was established, it sits in the Holden Factory Team's cabinet. You know, we've had some changes over the last two years with HRT, with me joining last year and then Will joining this year. And I think what we're seeing now is the, the culmination of a lot of hard work behind the scenes to get HRT back to where it deservedly needs to be. We look back on the four days that are Bathurst 2009. As soon as I say it, I'll read it in print and then I'll get the shits. As the lights go out on another edition of the VA Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Garth Tander and Will Davison have won the great race in what was a dominant weekend where it seems the Holden factory team could do nothing wrong. I remember when I won the race here in 2000, it was, one, it was a changeable day like this when, when weather was coming and going and it all seemed reasonably easy. The, the decisions came easy and, um, and the right decisions were made at the right time and uh, today was one of those days. So Bathurst is certainly one of those races when it's your day, it's your day. Uh, it was just win or bust, you know, we just want to win this race so bad this weekend for everyone in the team and, and at Holden and, um, and you know, when it's your day, your day, like Garth said, I mean, somehow things have just turned out perfectly, you know, but it's uh, certainly a lot of stories to tell after today. Jason Richards and Cameron McConville finished just 0.7 of a second behind HRT. The pair pulled off a determined second place. She was a bit of a do or die uh, mentality. I just decided that, um, you know, if I'm six, I'd rather be in the wall than sixth and, and uh, I'll have a crack. And, and that's what we did and, and uh, got, you know, did some cheeky moves on some guys and got past and just those, you know, Bath, Bath is desperate, so you've got, you got to pull out and and uh, it just unfolded so it was, uh, I, was, I was surprised to be fair that you know I was pumped I made the podium and then I was surprised I, got, I managed to get to second uh, and then I thought oh, I'll have a crack at Garth but um, yeah I got within 0.7. While Lee Holsworth and Michael Caruso came back from an early race spin to stand on the podium for Holsworth it was his first finish on the mountain and perhaps it was his pre-race ritual that changed his racing luck. I went up the top of the mountain and I thought this mountain might but might need a bit of beer, you know, might need a bit of um, bit of a forex down its throat. So I dug a little hole and, and poured a forex into the mountain and um, it seems to have worked. I think it appreciated it. Greg Murphy was possibly the fastest car at the end of 161 laps, but it was only enough for fourth place. To be honest, it's a bit of a result than I thought we were going to get after the you know the oh, second to last safety car. Oh, whenever it was, can't even remember which one it was, but um, you know we got dudded big time. Uh, I was about probably 20 or 30 metres too far down the track to get into pit lane, and with a car that didn't need to have much fuel put in it, and um, bang, it was all over. So, you know, we we uh, we, we we know we could have won it. There's no doubt. I think um, I'd like to argue with anyone that thinks we couldn't have, but we had the car speed. Obviously, the la- the last time the car was fast enough. For Triple Eight, the dream of a fourth consecutive victory was the bridge too far.
They finished a creditable fifth position, Lowndes saying that the team had their opportunities throughout the day. Look, them's the breaks. The race wasn't obviously ours this year, but uh, yeah, you're right. The three in a row was uh, unbelievable. Um, you know, we, we were hoping for, for destiny, but uh, unfortunately couldn't create it. Rick and Todd Kelly finished in eighth position. Garth Tander spoke about the pass late in the race that he put on his former teammate Rick Kelly. I thought Rick was just pulling up to have a wave because we're old teammates, but um, apparently he's got the sooks on, but uh, stiff, <laughs> stiff, mate, it's Bathurst, get over it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was, um, I didn't think there was anything in it, it was a very small tap, I don't think there's any damage on the car, so um, you do what you have to do to get track position and that's what we had to do. Over the weekend, Tony Cochran announced a number of initiatives that V8 Supercar Television would be managed internationally by IMG Media. Not to say the people that haven't done the job for the last 10 years haven't done a good job, but I think they'd be the first to recognise we've probably outgrown them and it's time for us to uh, move on and uh, step up uh, to the plate uh, with a uh, bigger and a better and a more representative worldwide uh, organisation and IMG with their officers throughout the world and their huge presence in uh, marketing sports uh, media rights is obviously a great uh, connection for us and for our sport. V8 Supercars also announced the completion of the restructure to its operational and technical departments. This has seen the creation of a new position titled the Technical Director, which former Larkham Motorsport man Adam Perry will jump into the job next week. Cochran explained the new role. The Racing Director will sit over the Operations Department and also the Technical Departments of our organisation, and uh, it is a new role and um, he will, uh, uh, at the end of this year, uh, we will rewrite the rule book and he will take on most of the responsibilities that were formerly known as the category technical director. And with a new CEO on the way and the car of the future plans solidifying, Tony didn't want to make any outlandish claims, but he still did. As soon as I say this, it'll go into print somewhere and I don't really want that either, but I... I can even see there's a, maybe there's a chance it could be introduced in 2011. It's, it's, it's getting, going along much quicker than I anticipated. Once again, as soon as I say it, I'll read it in print and then I'll get the shits. But um, the, the bottom line is um, I really do believe that by 2012 there'll be at least three manufacturers and the possibility of four. Mark Winterbottom had had a weekend that he would probably rather forget. Incidents with Rick Kelly and Sam Walter before the race even started. Then the FPR Falcon turning into the lunchtime barbecue. Yeah, one that got away again and we'll go back to our homework and 2010 we'll come and, and try and do it all again. But um, definitely one that slipped through the hands of, of FPR. Today, Rundle Moore took on a V8 supercar feel as the launch of the 2010 V8 supercar extravaganza called the Clipsal 500 was launched. With the Bathurst winners Will Davison and the supercar champion Jamie Wingcup all on hand to hear the launch announcement by the Deputy Premier Kevin Foley. It is certainly going to be a huge kickoff to the Australian leg of the Australian V8 supercar championship. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Mark Fogarty will be along with Gordon Lomas. And then on the white flag lap, we go inside FPR with Orcon Steel's weekend. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. You've turned 
take in the V8s of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Gordon Lomas. And from Auto Action, it is the editor-at-large, Mark Fogarty. And Mark, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Greg. Good to be back. Gordo, it is uh, certainly a big weekend that you just had to uh, enjoy up there at the mountain with stories coming at you left, right and centre. Yeah, to tell you the truth, Craig, uh, I've been uh, bunkered down in my office at home since I've uh, got back from Bathurst and the keyboard hasn't stopped uh, um, with flames coming off it. It's, uh, there's just so much floating around, um, there's so much news, we don't know what to do with it. It is uh, fascinating. The race had so much happening right throughout the four days, Mark. It, it is hard to uh, really get down into the nitty-gritty of everything because uh, it's just uh, everywhere you looked there was a story someone had a story to tell and that's just about the race let alone all the uh well all the other goings on in and around the race itself it is difficult to know where to begin and plenty of people had hard luck stories you know there's probably you know maybe as many as six guys who could claim legitimately that you know they should have could have would have won the race but for all the craziness going on towards the end, but, you know, that's uh, the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, that's how it goes. And uh, in the end, the team that were best prepared for the changing conditions and all the safety cars and, um, you know, who had a clear um, front-running pace all day um, was the lead HRT car of Garth Tander and Will Davison, and they got up and won it. You know, you've got to be there. And um, equally, you know, the lead team Vodafone Triple Eight car of Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup. They were, for the most part, there. They were ready to pounce as well, but that uh, clutch failure or intermittent clutch failure, I guess you'd call it, is, uh, you know, what put them out of the running. So, um, you know, you've got to be there. There were plenty of guys who had uh, tickets to the uh, final run to the flag, and there were some heroic efforts and some fantastic drives, but um, in the end, I think, pretty much in the overall, the right combination won, but I tell you what, it was an epic race. You know, that's definitely one for the ages. Gordon, I think uh, I was a little bit afar this weekend with this event, and it seemed from my position where I was getting all the information in at the end of the day, listening to the press conferences at the end of the day, and not really being able to talk to people as it was happening, it did seem to me that the Toll Holden Racing Team on you know, almost on Thursday morning was the team to beat and they just never let anything get in their way. Yeah, look, I, I, I don't know about uh, from Thursday morning. They, they the certainly country. took a while to uh, to get going, but uh, uh, but certainly I think uh, um, Fogs's assessment um, on race day was, was quite accurate. They definitely were the team during the race. Uh, they were there pretty much all race and yes they did get a lucky safety car um, which gave them track position but they had the pace and they and more importantly they had the pace in in both conditions when when it was wet and when it was dry 
not a lot of the other leading cars actually could sustain the pace when it was wet or dry. So, you know, in terms of adaptability and in terms of of, uh, setup balance, HRT absolutely nailed it and uh, made up for uh, previous years. Mm. It did seem that the cream was at the top. And when you look at the top three, the top three cars all came out of the same factory, engineered differently, of course, because uh, Brad Jones Racing and Gary Rogers Motorsport do things differently to Walkinshaw Racing. But it's still a testimony to this whole idea of centralisation and let's use the economies of scale to get the best equipment. Would you say that's right, Mark? Indeed, we're only going to see more of it. Alliances are the way forward, particularly for the smaller teams. And we're going to see more and more of those. In fact, probably well into into next year, certainly by the end of next year, I, I don't see any teams you know, on the grid that aren't aligned in some way with... Um, with the with the big teams and that'll be you know with HRT and Triple uh, Eight on the Holden side as it will be and um, there will be some sort of alliance um, on the Ford side although it's going to be a bit slim pickings because they don't look like they're going to be any more if that the nine Falcons on the grid next year so uh, but you know teams have got to pair up and uh, and work together it's the only way forward but I mean Bathurst is just a remarkable race just for the fact that small teams who let's be fair do little else during the rest of the season certainly on you know on no consistent basis but can get up you know and have a decent chance of winning i mean you know jason richards and cam mcconville um a little bit of luck they could have won the race holdsworth and caruso you know after staging uh, an almost heroic comeback from caruso's early miscue you know, they were in with a chance. And, and, you know, the ones you really have to feel for, I guess, um, two combinations in particular, uh, Greg Murphy and Mark Scaife. Uh, Murph just did a sensational job. And that, uh, you know, got just caught out just by seconds um, with the safety car because it came out just as he went past the pit entrance. And, you know, there are some people who look at these things more closely than I do, but who said that, you know, had there not been that safety car, they would have been something like 64 seconds. Murph would have been 64 he- seconds ahead of Tanner and it could have been a whole different ball game. But didn't it just enliven the end of the race where Murph was on a charge and he only missed out on a place on the podium by, what was it, four one-thousandths of a second. It was extraordinary. And the other the other combination I feel for are um, Greg Ritter and uh, David Bernard. I mean, you know, that was a stunning effort. I mean, circumstances played into their hands and it was all going to, always going to be tough but they were in with a chance but you know what strikes me is that this sort of you know Bathurst is still the place where the little guys can get up and I think that's fantastic um, even though the big guys won. Mm. Now Gordo one combination that I think if anyone had have said to you Gordo get your money on the best two-car team performance being sprint gas racing what would you have said to them on Thursday? Well, um, yeah, interesting, isn't it? Um, you know, I mean, uh, Murph, uh, Murph put in an absolute um, blinding effort um, on Sunday. Uh, I think, I, I honestly think that was that was one of the one of the teams who were absolutely robbed um, of a podium place, as as many were. Mark mentioned before. Uh, uh, David Bernard and, and Greg Ritter, you know, they, uh, you know, f- for a, a while there, they looked like they were going to cause the boil over of the century and get up. 
they certainly had the pace, um, and Bezzy was, uh, was, was right on it um, during his stints, um, and, and Ritter did a splendid job too. Interestingly enough, I ran into Gary Rogers at Sydney Airport on Monday morning, and I stuck my hand out and I said, congratulations, Gary, great result getting on the podium. And he said, well, no, not really. And when you think about it, you know, Holsworth and Caruso, you know, uh, Caruso had the little slip up on the mountain. Um, apart from that, they were a little bit stiff, you know, like um, things didn't really fall their way um, uh, to a degree. And uh, it could have been a whole different story. You know, Rogers, uh, GRM over the years have, uh, have, have punched well above their weight. And they, and they certainly did that again on the weekend. Mm. Uh- it is interesting, and I know the listeners already uh, heard what uh, Lee Holsworth... It was almost a pagan ritual Lee Holsworth uh, went through just to try and get some luck on the mountain. And, uh, it, it, well, it paid off. I reckon he'll be doing that every year. But uh, there was just so many other stories. Paul Morrison, Tim Slade, at one stage, up on the podium, uh, albeit with about 60 laps to go, and... You just knew it wasn't going to stay there, but they come out of it with a top 10 finish. Then, in 10th place, Tony D'Alberto and and Andrew Thompson. They're they're two guys we haven't spoken about yet, but just did another fantastic job, uh, all four of those drivers. Yeah, you know, I I think one thing that Bathurst, you know, uh, provides is it it gives, you know, the the unheralded teams such as you've, you've just mentioned... You know their chance in the sun, so to speak. Um, they don't. They certainly don't get it at the uh, the, the conventional rounds. And um, uh, but Bathurst, you know, being what it is, um, and uh, it certainly threw up every every condition and every type of scenario on the weekend. It gives those those smaller teams, those teams that just haven't got the pace at the sprint rounds, you know, to plough through the uh, through everyone's misfortune and come up with a and pluck a good result. Mm. Now, folks, we had the situation which uh, certainly people my age grew up with, and that is we saw the Ford factory car out of the race by lunchtime. At the end of the day, the first car that had a Ford badge on it was Jason Bright in 11th position. You've you've already mentioned about uh, possibly nine Fords next year, and not one of those nine Fords are a realistic chance at the great race, let alone anything else. Am I being too harsh? Um, only slightly. I tend to agree with you, agree with you except uh, for Jim Beam Racing, James Courtney and Stephen Johnson, presumably he'll stay there. Um, you know, Courtney's a potential contender. They had a, a run of very bad luck, particularly when Courtney got um, bumped out of the way through no fault of his own when I think it was Alex Davidson was busily sorting out his own little accident um, on the run up the hill. But, yeah, the rest of them, I think, is going to be, you know, during the regular series, going to be pretty slim pickings. And, um, you know, it, as I was suggesting, it, you know, it may not even be as many as nine Falcons next year. But, you know, it was a tough race for Bridie. He was uh, pretty much hanging his hat on a big result. He thought that the gains in speed would come to the forefront at Mount Panorama, and, um, you know, he'd have a persuasive case through performance to um, retain his Fujitsu backing. Um, I'm sure Fujitsu's going to be looking hard at that, and they've already said they're going to tell Jason... They had already said they were going to tell him after Bathurst 
whether they'll continue or not. And uh, his sponsorship is under siege. You know, just about every other team has been banging on Fujitsu's door. So Jason really needed a better result than that. Um, and the Ford Performance Racing debacle was just, well, it was beyond sad. I mean, it just continued, you know, the hopeless efforts almost that they make at that track always something goes wrong and, and what went wrong this time. I, it pains me to say it, but I reckon heads have got a role in that organisation. That just wasn't good enough. You know, there were some pretty elementary mistakes behind the scenes um, and, um, you know, some of the, some of the driving of the, in their second car um, was beyond belief as well. I mean, um, potentially could have ruined a great finish to the race when Canto went off and pulled another safety car there and I'm really you know slightly going off on a tangent but I'm getting so sick at the end of particularly major races we see it with monotonous regularity that the people who aren't you know nowhere near contenders in the out in the outcome of the, the event have a apparently a rush of blood to the head and throw it off near the end of the race and that you know brings out safety cars and you know it worked out for the best in you know this time it, it added to the spectacle and the thrill of the race but so often you know we get robbed of a good finish and it could have you know had it been slightly different with you know Canto's crash and then I think it was that uh, Ricky Adello in the Red Rooster car went off twice you know towards the end stages well you know what, what business have they got trying so hard they throw it away and you know had things gone a bit um, a bit differently you know we could have ended up having the race finishing you know behind a safety car would have, which would have been an anti-climax I, I reckon the judiciary should look at this and I reckon you know, they should actually be sanctioning drivers who, you know, throw it off and cause um, the safety car to come out near the end of an exciting race and, you know, fine them, I don't know, $1,000 for, you know, every lap before the finish, you know, say 10 laps out of something. You know, it may sound a bit harsh, but I'm just getting a bit tired of, you know, races being ruined or potentially ruined by these, you know, wombats, you know, throwing it away for no good purpose. We need to take a break. We'll be back with plenty more on the V8 Insiders. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Uh, joining me this week from Auto Action, Mark Fogarty, and from VNX Magazine, it is, of course, Gordon Lomas, where we're, we've talked about just about everything uh, that happened at Bathurst, except for Jack Daniels Racing. Rick and Todd Kelly, I, uh, I, I, I don't know if I deliberately left them out of the last chat, but that was an interesting weekend for them four cars for the first time that team gets up there they get all four across the line albeit one five laps down but i was i was impressed that they were able to do so well they were bitterly disappointed that they could only manage an eighth place with the lead car what did uh, firstly to mark what did you think of that effort well it was a pretty gutsy effort by 
Todd and Rick Kelly, they just kept at it and at it and at it. And, you know, every time they seemed to have a, you know, a little setback and they had, um, well, they seemed to, from memory, they had, you know, had more pit stops than anyone by far. It seemed that way anyway. Um, and yet they were still up there contending right and you know near the end you know Rick was driving the wheels off just a beast a brute of a car that you know had its tires were shot he was hanging on for a grim death the thing was just an you know an oversteer nightmare but at the end you know he was inevitably going to fade because he was just you know driving out of his skin just to keep it on the island but you know the problem was the thing was chewing through its tires essentially so you know it was a, you know a brave effort and to be up there was pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, really, um, they just built a mountain for themselves to climb just because they just haven't quite got the chassis tuning right yet, and the thing was very, very, very hard on its tyres, and you saw that. But it was pretty exciting to watch uh, Rick battling away, um, keeping that thing on the straight and narrow, and keeping ahead of a, of a ferocious pack that was hunting him down. I mean, inevitably, you know, they all swallowed him up, but... Uh, it was an impressive effort. Um, still, the phrase keeps coming back to me with the Kellys, you know, biting off more than they can chew. I mean, you know, fielding four cars in your first year, in any uh, in any case, is a big ask. But, you know, to go to Bathurst and try and keep, you know, all the balls in the air, um, you know, seems to be a, you know, a, a ma- way too massive an effort and perhaps they might have been better off just concentrating on two cars. But be that as it may... Um, in the circumstances, I think uh, it was a very gutsy effort by the, the Kelly boys. What about you, Gordon? Yeah, look, I um, I certainly followed the the number seven car with uh, with great interest. Um, um, uh, I, I really gave them a solid chance in the race, um, and you know certainly, you know Mark alluded to to Rick's driving. Uh, uh, look for ent- pure entertainment value, you know. Those boys uh, deserve a hundred grand bonus or something. I mean, that was just uh, just a ripper to watch, you know. Um, and uh, look, yeah, okay, they 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 probably haven't got the car tuned quite right. Obviously, um, you know, going through the tyres like they did. Um, but on the flip side, I think, you know, I think Bathurst showed that um, the Kellys, um, Todd and Rick, um, are capable of getting away with. Uh, you know, with a few races next year. Don't forget, this is their uh, this is their first, uh, not even the end of their first season. So, you know, to be uh, to be up there and and vying for for the lead of um, the Bathurst 1000, uh, I, I think speaks volumes for their potential in the future. Mm. Now, Gordo, does it mean anything that the Peter Brock Trophy is now at the Holden Factory Teams Trophy Cabinet for this year? Oh, I think it means a hell of a lot. Yes, I mean. You know, Peter Brock was, you know, was Holden. Um, uh, you know, Peter Brock, um, everyone, everyone in this country um, puts Peter Brock and Holden uh, together. And, uh, and certainly, uh, you know, I think Garth made a comment um, after the race, you know, um, about the trophy. You know, it's back where it belongs. And, uh, and this is the first time because Team Vodafone have had their hands on it since 2006. Mm. Folks. They had they had to win that race though. A lot of people down at Clayton were breathing a big sigh of relief after that result because there was a lot of pressure on the Holden Racing Team to win that trophy. Holden, the people of Holden at Fisherman's Bend have not been happy the last three years 
at getting dust at Mount Panorama. You know, that's the big one that the the top execs that fishermen spend want to win, and they've been getting increasingly snaky and unhappy over the last few years. So there was huge pressure on Holden Racing Team um, to be contending and to win that race. So um, I think a lot of people, as I say, are sighing, having a big sigh of relief down at Clayton and uh, feeling a lot more secure about their positions going into 2010 because I think if there'd been another failure on the mountain, um, it would have been ugly, it would have, you know, it would have been the, the night of the long knives. But um, they've pulled it out of the fire and HRT now, you know, they've been coming back all season and now the, uh, the battle for the championship, you know, it's on for young and old, as we like to say. Wincup's still ahead, but his lead's been reduced, and uh, Davison, Will Davison's breathing right down his neck, and uh, he'll be ably backed up, I guess, by uh, you know a pretty solid wingman in Garth Tander, who you know still mathematically is in with a chance of the title, but even he is realistic enough to admit that, uh, well, essentially he's out of the championship battle. But uh, I tell you what, they're coming to get him. That's the truth. Uh, on other matters now, and, uh, well, we've seen the technical department uh, finally, well, worked out. We have got uh, Adam Perry coming in as the uh, technical director. What does all this, uh, what does all this mean to V8 Supercar Racing in practical terms and in the way that uh, we're going to go about the business, particularly with the, the car on the, the car of the future on the horizon, Mark? Hopefully some stability, because the category technical director position for the last couple of years has been like a revolving door. And, um, in fact, if you want to be really harsh, you could say it was a poison chalice, because uh, nobody lasted there very long, and that includes some technical luminaries like Campbell Little. So... Um, the new man in there, Adam Perry, he's, uh, he's got a big job. He's got to um, get the confidence of the teams back, confidence in that position, and someone who um, you know, is going to take charge of the technical rules and uh, get them sorted out, um, get to work on the uh, ongoing, never-ending cost reduction, cost-cutting plans, um, get involved in the Car of the Future project uh, with Mark Scaife, who's driving... Uh, that initiative so um, the new man's got a big job on his plate mainly just to get the confidence I think of the teams because the teams just ended up having no confidence in in the way the the, the rule the technical rules were being were being applied and policed but also Adam's job is actually a much bigger one he's actually taken over essentially two jobs um, because he's not only um, stepping in over the top um, of the technical department and looking after that, but he's actually the new V8 supercar sporting boss, so that's why his title is racing director because he's overseeing all the sporting and, and technical elements of V8 supercar. So he'll essentially, I guess, be what the number three or number four man um, in the hierarchy because you've got Tony Cochran up the top there as executive chairman. You'll have the new chief executive officer who supercars are still saying is going to be appointed hopefully by early next month and on board by the 1st of January. Then you've got Shane Howard, who's the Chief chief uh, Operating, Operating Officer, I think is his title. So then you bring in Adam Perry, and I guess he's essentially, if you like, the hands-on day-to-day boss of V8 supercars. But uh, it's a very important position, and uh, he's going to have his work cut out for him. Gordo, what's your read? Yeah, look, I think... Um uh, it has it has been a bit of a uh, 
bit of a bad omen for whoever had that job over the last few years. Um, uh, definitely um, there's been uh, a lot of angst and instability um, with that role, um, you know, probably not from the people who were actually there, but just the way the whole thing was all structured, I think, uh, also had a lot to do with it. But, but it has come come in for a restructure, and I think, um, look, I think you'll you'll find that Adam will slot in there. I think the, you know, the roles uh, the roles he takes on, um, uh, he'll have more support from his superiors than than in the past. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think he should be there for, for quite some time, uh, all going well. Mm. Now, this has interested me over the last few years. About three years ago, I sat down and was speaking to Larry Perkins about uh, the way everything was going. And as we all know, Larry was a big believer that if you had five manufacturers making parts that were deemed to be identical... That was the best way to find competition. That was the best way to bring prices down. Mark Larkham, on the other hand, at that same time, was pushing what Larry called the utopian view of the world, where you just get one and you bring one in and you say, everyone runs one. Obviously, the way things turned out in 2009, we see more and more Larkinism than we see Perkinism in the world of V8 supercar racing these days. Is that a fair assessment, Gordo? Oh, look, you know, I don't know. don't know whether it's a, a fair assessment, but certainly we're, uh, we're going down the path of, uh, of uh, the, you know, the customer and supplier um, uh, deals within teams. Uh, um, you know, and as, as uh, you know, Mark sort of pointed out earlier on in the program, uh, you know, alliances... Uh, are going to be stronger and bigger and better than ever before, and that's the only way to survive in this in this sport. Um, certainly, um, you know, economies of scale will be a lot stronger the more customers a supplier has, and that's certainly the case uh, um, as it stands now. Um, so, you know, uh, getting uh, toward car of the future, um, you know, uh, there's, there's going to be there's going to be, um, you know, even even more cost-efficient way to go racing, even more um, uh, reliance on um, suppliers, if you like, um, uh, which, you know, in turn will, will drag the cost down. So, you know, this is the way we're going. This is the way of the future. Um, you know, back, back, you know, in that area you were talking about, maybe it wasn't the time then, you know, but it certainly is now. Mm. Folks. Not happening yet, and I'm not sure it's going to happen, Gordo. I mean, talk, talk, talk about cost reduction, cost cutting, how the car of the future is going to be a lot cheaper. You know, Tony Cochran's mandated that, and how, you know, more standard components. And uh, But they're just not attacking the right areas. They, they can't come to any agreement. The much-vaunted 14-point cost reduction plan that was unveiled back at Darwin, I think it was, you know, that's just dribbled away to almost nothing. I mean, last I heard, it was down to, you know, barely five of those uh, initiatives remain, and I think a couple more of them have fallen by the wayside. There's, you know, there's still, you know, this sort of semi-freeze on some compo- technical components and their specifications, but they're not policing them properly. I hear that all the time. Um, they can't... They, they, you just can't get agreement among the teams on how to approach this. And now Tony Cochran is apparently saying, or he let slip in a press conference at Mount Panorama, that the car of the future will, will is going, you know, they're targeting 2011 to introduce it. 
give me a break. Mm. You know, we're, what, a little more than a year out, and they're saying it's all going to be decided and worked out with the, the agreement of the teams how we approach the car of the future and all the specifications. I'm sorry, precedent over the last few years says that's not going to happen. I thought 2012 was a pretty optimistic aim to get the car of the future sorted out, which, by the by, shouldn't that shouldn't be that big of a discussion. I mean, most of it is staring them in the face. It's, it's what we have now, essentially, but it just has to be approached sensibly and um, all the cost has to come out of it. And that's essentially labour is one of the big... The intensive labour required is one of the big reasons these cars... You know, just the rolling chassis costs about $350,000 alone. And plus, you know, the big problem is the engines. You know, $100,000 engines for each one in this formula, that is ridiculous, particularly when you can buy crate engines that do the job for a fraction of that cost. So I'm sorry, you know, I just have no confidence at the moment that we're going to get anywhere with this. I hope we do, and I hope Mark Scaife, you know, with his car of the future blueprint, pulls something out of the fire and gives us some direction. Um, but just over the last, what, I've been back in the country six years and they've been talking about cost containment and cost reduction, and, you know, if you add it all up, they've um, actually got absolutely nowhere, not in real terms anyway. Even, you know, the controlled brake debacle, uh, the brake disc debacle is a prime example of where it all goes wrong. That has ended up costing teams way more than any money they saved on going to a controlled brake. Mm. Yep, it is the ongoing is the ongoing dilemma and the more this happens the more there'll be screams for an independent board which is a topic for another day well we're going to bump the white flag lap and we'll be back with guess and go to ask a question of the v8 insiders just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Gas and Go time now. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. It is on sale now. And Gordo mentioned right at the beginning of the round table that he's already pumping out the stories for the very next one. But uh, here is Gas and Go for another week. It starts with folks. Why does FPR want to have three cars not finishing at Bathurst next year? It does seem a big uh, stretch that they want to run three cars when they can't really... Um run two cars properly at the moment. I mean, it's a very harsh call, but something's got to change at that team. Um, they're not performing as the leading Ford factory team should be. And um, to run a, co- a customer Falcon, which it looks like they're going to do with Rod Nash Racing, seems to be, uh, well, a big exercise at the moment. I think they should get things uh, all sorted in their own backyard before they start branching out. But, you know, that's what they want to do. They're determined to do it. I'll tell you what, though, ProDrive, the big ProDrive boss, David Richards, was at uh, Bathurst. Not for long, though, because he uh, stormed off after the uh, um, incident with Winterbottom's car bursting into flames. Um, he was just disgusted. You know, He left early and went home. He's over it. So uh, it's 
some serious questions being asked there. Gordo? Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, everyone says that it's going to happen. You know, and if you remember, you know, didn't uh, FPR start with a three-car operation back, you know, seven or eight years ago mm-hmm. uh, when they were running um, Lowndes, uh, Seton and, uh, and Bezzy? Um, and we all know how, how that, uh, that went. Um, admittedly, it was a little bit uh, different landscape then and they had different staff and, uh, and their engines were hand-grenading just about, you know, every round. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, it doesn't look good at FPR, does it, you know? And, and you've got to feel sorry for, um, you know, particularly for Frosty, who, you know, is a championship-winning driver, um, you know, in the making, but he's just not getting supplied the equipment. Mm. Now, what will more international viewers offer the series, Gordo? Well, I don't think, uh, I don't think more international viewers will offer the series anything, really. Um, it's what the series... Um, can offer to international viewers. Um, you know, if uh, if we introduce more manufacturers, which they say they're going to do, um, I think you know uh, that will have an effect on international viewers. But uh, but at the moment, um, you know, this new IMG deal with uh, London IMG, um, you know, uh, clearly uh, in the past, uh, V8 supercars hasn't had the international reach as we're all led to believe it's had so this is why this deal's come come together i believe mm. god I, what uh, sorry mark what's your read on it it will enable more motorsport insomniacs to catch up with the v8 supercar action but what are the no. viewers going to do for us because more people you know more people will <laughs> what i'm alluding to is that, you know the v8 supercars International coverage is often at odd hours when they don't have significant audiences. It, it's potentially going to expose more motorsport fans around the world to a good product, and they'll enjoy what they see, particularly when it's packaged up. But what it actually does for the series, any more than just a bit of prestige, because look at us—we're getting some, you know, international television exposure. You know, aren't we good? Doesn't really do anything um, for the teams back here in realistic terms. Potentially, I guess it makes more money for V8 supercars, and that ultimately rewards the teams because they get a slice of the pie. Um, so I, I don't know mm. much was made of the announcement, but I, I, I really don't think at the moment it's such, it's such a big deal unless suddenly IMG Media can um, sell this product to major networks all around the world for um, you know for a huge amount of money, but. I suppose if they're not getting much at all, anything anything more is better than nothing. Mm. Now, today we saw the launch of the Clipsal 500. We know almost exactly what's going to go on at Clipsal in 2010. And I'm still asking the question, will, AG, will A1GP be next week at surface, Mark? Apparently they will. I still... I'm waiting to see it because they're still in dire straits and last I heard on the weekend was that all the cars were still impounded so they're going to have to release them pretty quickly. There was a suggestion that there was going to be some major announcements today um, as in you know nominating the, the field of starters and confirming that the cars had been released and, and um, air freighted out to Australia because I believe they're due to arrive here on Saturday but um, I'll tell you what, talk about leaving it until the very last minute um but you know the last few years i've been very uh skeptical about the chances of a1gp continuing and they they, they keep going you know defying all the odds so 
I guess mm. all I can say is that um, I won't be surprised if they're not there at the uh, Super GP next week. But I'll equally be, I won't, you know, I'll, I won't be surprised um, if it, what did I just said that I won't be surprised if they're not there. And I won't be surprised if they are there. I mean, it's just, it's in the lap of the gods at the moment. It is indeed, uh, Gordo. You're, you're right there at the Pulse. They've got Queensland Raceway booked for the weekend. Yeah, well, that's another story. That was a bit of an each-way bet there, Mark. Look, I, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd say no, they're not coming. Um, but for the sake of the Queensland government, I hope they do come because the taxpayers of this state will absolutely be baying for their blood. Um, you know, how the Queensland Government, you know, w- went for the A1GP of all categories to choose from around the world, I'll never know. Mm. But that's what we're stuck with. Um, as regards to Queensland Raceway, is it internationally sanctioned circuit? I, I, I think it would be illegal for those cars to test there, wouldn't it? I don't know the rules or the legalities. Has the tree... There are more holes in this whole scenario than, than a piece of Swiss cheese. Yes. and and Gordo, you know, I'm happy to get off the fence. I don't think they will get there. And if they're not there, I don't think anyone will miss them, to be honest with you. Yes, I totally agree with that. Has the tree shaking finished at V8 Supercars Australia? Or, Gordo, do you have to still watch for falling employees as you go by the offices there of a morning? Um, look, I, I, don't, I don't know whether there was a bit of a, a shed of employees. But, yeah, OK. I take your point. There has been a few people leave this year, uh, and it's uh, still continuing as we speak. Um, I believe the marketing manager uh, is moving on um, after she finishes uh, her tenure at the end of the year, um, which uh, you know, which has been a role um, inherently over the years that uh, hasn't been all that stable. There's been quite a few people fill that position, uh, uh, not for a long period of time. So. Um, you know, let's hope that when the new CEO um, is announced, um, where, whenever it's going to be announced later this year in the next month or two, um, let's hope that he's there for the long haul. Ken, uh, sorry, Mark, what's your read? From what I gather, the, the turnover, not only this year, but going back to last year as well, um, has been quite disturbing. There's been a lot of churn and uh, a lot of chopping and changing. So I think the time has come for some, you know, again, it's like the race director and, you know, giving some stability to the, the sporting and technical rules. I think it's time for some solid stability within the upper management and middle management layers of V8 Supercar to, you know, to really drive this thing forward because um, the sport, you know, still hasn't taken that next big step and, and it's just not showing any signs of taking that next big leap, you know, it, that big leap, that big move forward is something that's talked about all the time and um, it's something that, you know, Tony likes to, Tony Cochran likes to um, talk about in glowing terms the growth of V8 supercars, but there are some very glaring areas where the sport is just not making any progress. So we, we need to get the whole team on board, focused, going in one direction and drive this sport to the next level where it can go but we've been saying that now for at least the last four or five years that I can remember. Mm. It seems funny we had the big launch of the Bathurst movie cinema advertising and, uh, you know, you you guys down there in Melbourne and up in Queensland all went to the movies for, for, the, for the big launch to see the ad and then 
I can't remember what the film was at the time, but uh, I'm sure it was some sort of blockbuster. And uh, then, of course, this year we get to Russell Crowe on, a real, genuine, big-time movie star, and they weren't showing them at the cinemas, were they? Can Triple Eight fight off HRT's thrust? You touched upon it before, Mark. Are they, are they in a, a position of defence, or are they just going to go full offence to get through the rest of this championship? Uh, are you saying can can Win Cup hold on? Yep. Well, he's not a quitter. Um, he's at the top of his game, although his stint in the wet at Bathurst was worrying. That was um, uncharacteristically um, tame, shall I say? But he, you know, he's going to feel the heat. He can feel them breathing down the back of his neck, and uh, particularly Will Davison is really on a mission now. I mean, he's uh, he's got momentum. He's on a roll. His confidence is high. Um, you know, and he's he's a good enough driver to take the battle right to Win Cup. I mean. He's a good driver anyway, but what he's done in his first season with HRT has been fantastic. I mean, he's, well, essentially, except for Bathurst, he's overshadowed Garth Tander, who's a, you know, a guy of immense experience and, uh, you know, who's uh, won Bathurst previously and, and, and won the championship. And uh, Davos comes st- straight in, and really, Garth has had to, uh, you know, really keep a close eye on what's happening around him because uh, Davo's made a big impression. So I'm looking forward to a fantastic battle. I think it'll, it will go right down to the wire, but it's going to be very, very difficult for Win Cup to um, fend off the onslaught that's going to be thrown at him. He'll certainly need Craig Lowndes um, um, batting at full strength and acting as his, as, his wi- as his wingman, but I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. What about you, Gorda? Oh, look, I've got to stick with my, uh, with my tip. Uh, we're all asked to produced tips at the, before the season started in February uh, in V8X and, uh, and, and I, uh, I, I think I was the only one on the panel to go for Will Davison to win the championship so I'm certainly sticking to McGunn's um, even though he's, uh, he's, he's still behind he's closed the gap we all know um, you know Jamie's certainly got the edge but uh, but gee you know aren't HRT coming on strong and, and you know a uh, good point from the first round uh, was that Davo hit the ground running, and you know that sort of sparked a little bit of a little bit more work within HRT, if you like, because you know their reference point was Garth Tander, and it should have still been Garth Tander at Adelaide, but it was the other way round. Uh, Davo just you know he, he just sort of got you know he, he eased into that team like a like a hand in glove, and uh, and has just continued it all the way through the year and. Um, and I think he'll win the championship still. Mm. Gordo, I'd go so far as to say that, to predict that Will Davison is, is going to be the next superstar in V8 racing, he, uh, he has the potential, I think, all round um, to take over from, well, the only household name we've got in the sport effectively at the moment uh, regularly is Craig Lowndes. And, um, you know, once he retires, um, there's no obvious successor. Uh, well, there wasn't in my mind until Will Davison came along. Mm. Yeah, look, I I don't disagree with you there. I think he's, he's, you know, I mean, he's got the family tradition. He's got all the hallmarks. He's got the ability. He's got the personality. He, you know, he's a genuinely smart and intelligent guy. And uh, and you know, he, you know, what he does on the track um, is just absolutely stunning. I mean, he did it with, you know, when he was with uh, Dick Johnson uh, the last few years. And I mean, he took a, he took essentially what was a very old chassis. Um, he, he transformed it into a into a race winning car 
even though it wasn't winning, you know, all that many races. Um, they certainly came from uh, came from uh, a long way back, so to speak. So you know, Davo, uh, Davo, I, I, I totally agree, Mark. I think Davo can be an absolute superstar. Mm. He is has certainly got most of the attributes. The wins will come, which will complete it. I am sure too. Guys, it has been great catching up with you post-Bathurst and look forward to the opportunity to chat with you all again in the near future. That's Gas and Go for another week brought to you by V8X Magazine. And uh, I think, uh, guys, any one thing that we uh, really should take away from Bathurst that uh, this year was highlighted or the one impression that was left with you as you as you walked away firstly to Gordon Lomas uh, difficult question very difficult question there was so many things happened Craig um, look you know it, it's hard to go past um, you know the the red team who uh, ended up winning the race uh, uh, both Davo and Tanda you know were absolutely on it the whole race and when they got shuffled back you know they managed to get back up there and, uh, and in the end, they recorded um, a great win in what, in, you know, in what was an absolute ripper race. Mark? What stands out to me is that right throughout the whole weekend, Gordo and I didn't disagree. And even more disturbingly, we haven't disagreed tonight. What's happened, Gordo? We've lost our mojo. I mean, you know... We, we, we've just we've got we've got old and soft, haven't we? You know, Where, where's the combativeness? Yeah, no. listen, I agree with you with old, but not soft. So there's a disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> but my observation out of this weekend overall is that it's a simple one: the great race just gets better. It does indeed, and so do you two guys on the V8 Insiders. Uh, thanks for coming on and joining us once again. Thanks, Craig. Catch you next time. My thanks to a lot of people this week, including our roundtable guests, Gordon Lomas and Fogues. Over the course of last week, I was not in the best of health. And without the support of Peter Norton, Chris Underwood, John Keogh, Lee Hanacek and Chris Jordan, I would not have been able to put together the past two programs. I really do appreciate your support. And to the many listeners who sent me their well wishes following last week's show, thanks to you all. We'll preview the Super GP next week, but as the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.